Any grandparents out here? It's pretty cool, isn't it? Got to meet my granddaughter on, uh, on Tuesday afternoon, and uh, she's an extrovert, so I don't know if I was just someone who reacted with her or if she loved me already. I don't know, but um, she did have one. They're, they're, they were eight, they're coming from New Zealand, so they were 18 hours plus, so they had a whole, two days were Monday to them, and then uh, they, it, it went really well the first night because they didn't sleep on the plane, and then the second night, three hours of screaming and hollering and yelling, but I got to see my daughter exhibit patience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, so uh, we are in this Organic Disciples uh, series, and last week we had Kevin Harney, and I thought he just did a, I, I just, I loved him. Um, I've never heard him preach before. I, I met him years ago. We played golf together at Crestview um, in a seminary uh, seminary golf outing, me, Pastor Chris, and Kevin Harney, and there was someone else in our foursome. And I just remember making him feel really good about his game. Uh, but that really, I, I met him, I've talked to him on the phone a few times, but that's it. So I was very comforted to hear another preacher who talks fast. It was nice. I could keep up with him. I don't know about you, but um, so he, we, we've switched the order of the the organic disciples kind of list. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, consistent community. And there's, there's two different ways of looking at that, and we'll get to those. Uh, but we're going to read some passages that don't seem to speak directly to what it means to be the church gathering together. Um, but if you, if you read scripture carefully from the beginning, and I mean the beginning, all the way through, there's a, not just a subtle suggestion, but a command. God's order of the universe, in some ways, is not dependent upon, but it is clear that because God is in relationship with God, the people of God are in relationship with God, with each other, and with creation. And so it is how God ordered things that his people be people together. So I'm going to offer a prayer, and then we're going to read through this, but I want to, I want to give you two, uh, two words. <clears throat> I'll, I'm going to pretend like I'm smart for just a minute. Um, koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship, and that is a good, good thing. But there is more, much more, to the people of God than just fellowship. And fellowship, koinonia, is, is really in, in church you think back in the old days with potlucks or um, cookies and coffee after the service, koinonia was kind of a nice Christian way of saying, let's eat. It's okay. We should gather together and eat together. Um, but there's, there's, there's this other, now this is a Latin phrase, but corpus Christi, the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is different than koinonia. The body of Christ is, is we, we are, if he's the head and the head tells the body what to do, and we're all connected, we can't do what Christ has called us to do unless we're all connected. So there's the fellowship piece, and that's often what we think about when we think about community, um, co being communing with one another. But the body of Christ, the Corpus Christi, that, that, is, that is way bigger, I think, than we give it credit. 
We, we, we think it's just it's meeting together and being nice to one another and, and saying a prayer with each other. But, but there's something that God is trying to accomplish in the world through his body, the body of Christ. And that is the supernatural vehicle that God has chosen to accomplish his will in, for, and through the church and the world. So with those ideas in mind, coin in the end, Corpus Christi, let's pray together, and then we'll start at the very, very, very beginning. Let's pray. Almighty God, we bless you. We thank you and praise you for who you are. And thank you for family. I just saw this last week with my friend Mary Van Denen passing away, and then Bonnie's funeral, and hearing her grandchildren, and seeing that wonderful family. Lord, it, it, it means something when we're really connected, and when we lose someone we love, it hurts, but it's good that it hurts because if it didn't hurt, it means they didn't matter. Lord, help us this morning hear from you about your design for us and for this world and how being connected and being in community, how you use it to accomplish your mission for, in, and through the world. We pray this in Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. I want to read you a quote I'm looking for. Someone sent it to me this week. It was really good, um, but it was attributed to someone. And because I don't know for sure if that's the person, um, I'm, I'm looking it up. But I'm gonna, when I find, find it, I'll give credit for it. But um, it says here, I think what people are missing, if you think of all the shootings, all the stuff, all the anger in the world, I think what people are missing is a core moral center. Churches used to do that. And until we can return to that, we will continue to be lost. Yeah. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we keep seeing in Genesis 1, God's creative act. And then we get to this spot in Genesis 1, and it reads kind of funny in our English the pronouns change, which is happening all over the United States these days, <clears throat> but not like this. And it says, then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, our, our image in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move among the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created him. So the pronouns change from we to he. <clears throat> and this is, even though the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, co-equal persons of the Godhead, one, three and one, isn't specifically spelled out in Scripture, from the very beginning we get this idea that God is community, God is family. And Father... Son and Holy Spirit, no matter how hard we try, we cannot explain it without moving into some kind of heresy, some kind of, oh, well, it's, it, God acts like this sometimes and acts like that sometimes and acts like that sometimes. That's, that's called modality. Um, but but the, the best way I've heard it described, and, this, and there's a reason for telling you this before we get to the other passages, and, and I know this church, this particular service loves music. And we have a full band up here this morning. So I would ask you if you, if you grab, and I'm not going to grab it off their music stand, but if you grab a sheet music and you look at it, 
is that music. Yeah. If you hear it performed, is it music? Yes. And if you're performing it, is it music? Yes. It's all music, all completely music. The, the sheet music, the performance of music, the making of music, and the responding to and hearing music, it's all music. It's all music. But there's some distinction there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God, 100%. Jesus, the Son, has forever been proceeding from the Father. The Spirit forever being proceeded from the Father and the Son. None of them have a beginning. None of them have an end. But here's the beauty of Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinity, the triune God. This is what's known as the parachoretical relationship, the parachoresis. The Father, Son, and Spirit love each other. They're in community with each other. They have no competition with one another. They mutually serve one another. And together, they, they mutually created and mutually serve humanity. We heard last week that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. That is the character of God. But we miss something when we read that first passage, that, that Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, let us create man in our image, in our image, let us create Everything that God does is done from and for relationship and community. It is impossible to ignore. If we look in Matthew 28, we read this a couple of weeks ago when we were finishing up the, the Matthew series. <clears throat> this is what's known as the Great Commission. But look at what it says. That if you... If you read, you don't even have to be that careful reading the scriptures and you find this this warp and woof, this weaving together of God's desire for humanity, God is community, and he wants us to be that way as well. It is almost impossible to, to be all that you're supposed to be in solitude. It says here, then the 11 disciples, this is after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus told the, the ladies, Tell, I'm going to go meet them in Galilee. So uh, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, so only, only God, fully God, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely... This is the one we just read right past. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus was here with us. He took on, as, as Pastor Kevin told us last week, he took on the punishment for us. He died and beat the enemy of humanity, death, for us. He descended into hell for us. He, uh, he, he resurrected from the dead for us. And before he ascended to the Father, he said, I will be with you. So how is he sitting at the right hand of God the Father 
interceding for us, the second person of the Trinity, the Son, is interceding. He's praying for you right now. So how is it that he can go away and be with us? The promised Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Now, I want you to see this, and I don't know if I'm going to do a great job at, at talking about this, but he wants us to go and baptize, to make disciples of every people group, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, making disciples. Now, the only command in there is to make disciples. So while going, while baptizing, these are participial phrases, while going and while baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, make disciples. What's a disciple? A Jesus follower. Are Jesus followers, followers of Jesus alone? No. Remember Hebrews chapter, chapter 10, verse 25, I believe it is? Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Jesus, if he is God, and he is, while he was walking on the planet, while he got blisters on his feet, while he got dehydrated because of the long walks and there was dust in his mouth. When he was that, he was everything that humanity is. When he was walking this earth, did he walk alone? He prayed alone sometimes. But even then, he would often bring a few of his disciples, his closest friends, to sit with him while he prays. Jesus, the God of the universe, when he was walking this planet, did not walk it alone. And when he left... To ascend to the Father. He said in, in John, the farewell discourse in John 14 through 16, he says, it's better for you if I go to the Father because I'm sending you a counselor, a paraclete, a comforter. When I was in school, when I was in college, I had this, this sense that I could be a rogue or maverick Christian, that I could be Christian alone. And honestly, in my first calling, um, there, there was this sense that I didn't, need, I didn't need to gather with a bunch of pastors and that kind of stuff. And it wasn't pride. It was just most pastors are like I am now. They're pasty white. They have hush puppy shoes. They have a baritone voice. And, and they're kind of boring. And I mean, who wants to hang out with a pastor? I mean, think about it. When you go to a wedding uh, reception and you get stuck at the pastor's table, you want another picture of Pop? And, and the pastors always get stuck with the, with the ant that nobody likes. And, and so we're, we're, we're a weird bunch. We are. And, but I found out when I was there, when it started getting hard, that I was alone. And because I hadn't, I hadn't uh, established and worked on the relationships with other pastors, I found out there was nobody else that understood what it was like to be one. Except for pastors, but I didn't know any of them. You can translate that into your own life as well. There is no one else in the world that knows what it's like to be a Christ follower than another Christ follower. And when Jesus sent the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, to live in you, and if the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are never alone, it is clear that God's desire for us is that we not try to do this alone. I know it's very un-American of me to say, and I'm as patriotic. I bleed red, white, and blue. I, Lynn can attest, I love this country, and I love the idea of rugged individualism. I do. But God said it is not good for man to be 
alone. So he laid him down. He took something from him and he made, whoa, man. Even from the beginning, it wasn't good for a human being to be a human being, just human being in God. Because God is not alone. And if he were made in his image, we are not to be alone. And it's more than just having brownies and coffee. It's confessing sin. It's, I mean, think about this for just for a minute. This is a little, it's not off topic, but it's a little, little off my, 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 my plan here. We don't do that very often. We don't go to someone and say, I'm really struggling with X or I screwed up again in this way. Why? I mean, we will go to a holy God and tell him what we've done wrong, but we can't tell another sinner Who's going to get it? God will get it because God is God. But the struggle, the hardship, the pain that my sin causes others, seeing someone else with skin on hold me to account, pray with me, and for them to remind me that God forgives me is a good, good thing. If you look in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 5, it says this, For by the grace given me, this is Paul talking to the church in Rome, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Paul, he's an apostle, someone that after Jesus resurrected, after Jesus ascended, he felt it was important enough for Paul to know who he was, that he appeared to him on the road to Damascus. He left the father's seat to come back to confront Paul. So Paul, who had an encounter with Jesus like none other, he says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, I think, I could be wrong, I have an American context, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Midwestern guy with some Southern roots, so I think of the world a certain way. Paul, when he says, do not think of yourself more, 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 more uh, highly than you ought, but, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. <clears throat> I don't know exactly who he's speaking to there. If there were people that are thinking, because I'm a preacher, I'm all that, or someone that thinks because I'm an evangelist, I'm all that. I think in our context, sometimes we think, I've got this, God. I've got this, God. I'm... You go help all those poor people over there. You help out those people that are struggling. I got this. So it's a desire to, to, to convince myself that I don't really need God. That's, that's, that's pretty haughty. There's an arrogance there. When we get that attitude that I've got this. Because God says, you don't got this. God says, it's not good for you to be alone. But when he does put Adam and Eve together, you know that every day of creation, he said, Tob, 
which means good. It was good. It was tob. It was tob. It was tob. It was tob. And then when, he, when, when Adam's alone, he says, it's not good for you to be alone. But when he put two people together, he said, tob mayod, good, very. And that's the marriage relationship. But it's also the church relationship. Because Paul, who could have used any institution to describe the relationship between the bridegroom and the bride, he could have used anything, but he chose that relationship. It is not good for me to be alone. I need to be connected with Jesus. But it's also not good for me to be alone here. I'm supposed to be connected with each other. We're supposed to be connected with each other. And it's funny, that description of the body, because we can get really like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm more like a thumbnail, or I'm more like a pinky toe. There is no part of the body that you don't want there, even the ones that we don't talk about. There's a certain part of the body that if it stopped working, the whole body gets toxic. We don't like to talk about that, but that is absolutely crucial. Every part of the body, if you lose a part of your body, Tom Wenzel's right up there. I've lost the use of part of my body. You miss it. And if you're the body of Christ and you're not connected to the rest of the body, we miss it. And if you're not connected to the rest of the body, you're not alive. And I'm not making you feel guilty. I'm telling you, yeah, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't think that you're a pinky and you can go be a pinky all by yourself. But you are unbelievably important. Because without you, the body isn't whole. Without you at home, the body isn't whole. We are our people. And we are Corpus Christi. We are the body of Christ. And we need to take that and embrace it. No matter how hard it gets. And how many times I've been burned by the church. How many times you've been burned by Christians. How many times family members have have been treated awfully. We have to acknowledge that that's there. But also realize that if we cut off the hand... We don't have a hand. And so if you know someone who's been hurt, if you know someone who's been de-churched or disenfranchised with the body of Christ, seek them out. You might have to do some surgery to help reattach you, but it will live again. It is what God has called us to. And the, the fact that we, as, as, the, as the body of Christ, and I'm not saying we, Community Reformed Church, I'm talking about the, the, the Christian world as a whole, the fact that we are considered irrelevant in our world tells us something. It either tells us that people don't want to be connected in the way that God ordained it, or we're not connected the way God ordained it, so it's not attractive to people. And I don't know which it is, honestly, but I will tell you this, and again, this is another quote that I can't find the the, um, originator of, but it says this, One can acquire everything in solitude except character. And I think that's why God, I don't think God can can, can not have character, but God's in community. And I think that's why God created us to be in community with one another. Not just fellowship, not just pigging out in Jesus' name, but Corpus Christi the body of Christ. He tells us all the way through the scriptures, as iron sharpens iron, so one person 
sharp as another. How does a knife sharpen itself? How does iron sharpen itself? It can't, but sparks are going to fly. Sometimes things are going to get it wonky. Sometimes things are going to be hard. But oh, what it would look like in this world if Christians were real with one another. Do you think that would not be attractive? I mean, Pastor Kevin talked about that, that verse that, you know, hide it under a basket. No, we're going to let it shine. Think about Jesus is saying, don't, don't take, you're the light of the, you, we are the light of the world. Yes, Jesus was the light of the world, but he tells us we're the light of the world. And don't hide it under a basket. No, let it shine before all men. Think about what would happen if every church in the world actually did Christian life together? What if every time there was a need, people ran toward it? What if every time, what if we behaved like they did when, when, in, in Acts chapter 2? When we devoted ourselves, we devote ourselves to the, to, the, to the breaking of bread, to the preaching of the word, to the fellowship of believers, miracles would happen. And thousands would be added to the number of followers of Jesus daily. More members of the body would come back to be the body of Christ. And I know right now this is kind of ethereal. It's kind of like, yes, that sounds wonderful. If one day in a fantasy world that'll happen. But Jesus says this in John chapter 14, this is, or 13. This is just before he promises the Holy Spirit. He says, a new command I give to you. You know it? Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Love one another. Do you think Jesus is kidding? Right before he goes to the cross, right when he tells them, it's better if I go because I'm sending you the third person of the Trinity, the comforter, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. He says, and, and he calls it a new commandment. This is what matters most. Love one another. Can you love someone that you're not in the junk with? Can you be loved if someone doesn't join you in the junk? I've got other words for it, but I'm in a pulpit. But sometimes life hurts. My friend Troy Doctor, who died a few summers ago of colon cancer, six-year battle, he was 47 years old. His son stood in this pulpit, in this room, full house, and he said, the thing that I learned from my dad more than anything else is my dad would say, embrace the suck. It's a military term, and on Memorial Day, I think it's kind of apt. You know who loves you if they join you in the suck. And you know you love someone when you will join them in the suck. And in our world today, nobody joins someone. They, when someone messes up enough that they, they get canceled. But Christians don't do that. We, the Corpus Christi, the body of Christ, we run to the junk. We run, it's, we're, we're like first responders. So this is just a friendly, pastoral, and prophetic reminder 
that if you're thinking of yourself too lowly, that's as sinful as thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. You are a member of the body of Christ, and Christ needs, God doesn't need anything, but you see what I'm saying here. A head without a body is just a head. Christ is our head. We are his body. If you want to look at it from the John 15 angle, I am the vine, says Jesus. My father's the gardener, and we're the branches. Imagine a vine, how fruitful will it be if all the branches are cut off? It'll grow back, but that season it will produce no fruit. We are called to be connected. We are called to be the Corpus Christi, and every single one of you matters. So I'm going to leave you with one question, and I hope that you see that my eyebrows are up. I'm going to ask a similar question next week about a different topic. What would the church, what would your church look like if every other member interacted with the church the way you do? Would it be glorious or would it be a vine with no branches or somewhere in between? This isn't me trying to get you to church more. This is Christ's call to be engaged with one another in such a way that the world sees who God is by how we treat one another, how, connect, how we connect with one another, and how we run to the problems and love one another. Let's pray. Almighty God, we bless you and thank you that you think of us so highly that you would choose us to be your body, that you would choose us, the Corpus Christi, to be the supernatural vehicle that you choose to use to bring hope and salvation to the world. Lord, you have entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation, not only with others from the outside of us who are soon to be insiders, but within your own body. We help heal the things that are broken. Thank you for that trust in us and give us the courage and the humility and the understanding to be that even more. We pray this in Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.